Amen. If you have a Bible, open up to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. And we're going to be looking at uh, verses 23 through 29 this morning. Even though we got ahead a little bit last week, we'll still read all the verses just to make sure we have the context. Galatians 3, 23 through 29. As you're opening there, let me just say a word of housekeeping about our budgeting process. Uh, this Wednesday night will be the budget discussion meeting. So we'll have our normal business meeting. We'll handle our normal, regularly scheduled business. business. You'll notice there's also a proposed change to the bylaws that we'll be voting on on Wednesday night. But also, that is your opportunity to get the details on and to discuss the budget. Even though we'll be voting at the end of church next Sunday, there will be no discussion at the vote. We'll just simply vote yes or no. And the reason that that business is bifurcated or separated out in that way is to give you the opportunity to ask any questions you want to ask. You won't feel weird or intimidated or anything else about being in a big room full of people like this right after church. It's a little easier to do that at business meetings. So we'll be handling that uh, Wednesday night. So if you want to discuss the budget, that's Wednesday night. And we'll be voting next Sunday between church and lunch in this very room. The only thing that will stand between you and a delicious lunch is $5 and a budget vote next Sunday. And uh, so we'll, we'll get that taken care of, Lord willing, and uh, look forward to uh, you seeing that budget and seeing all the hard work that our finance committee, our budget committee, has done during this year's budget season. Galatians chapter 3, verses 23 through 29. Um, if you're open there, why don't you go and stand with me out of reverence for the reading of the words of our God. Paul writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in such a way that as the words on this page are being read, God himself is speaking to us. Beginning verse 23. Now, before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring heirs according to promise. Pray together. Oh Lord, our God, we thank you for Jesus Christ. We thank you for his gospel. And God, we thank you for this opportunity we have to hear from your word today. God, would you open our hearts and minds today, Father, and let us be changed by your word. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I don't know if you've observed this or not. I've, I've noticed it over the past several years feels like it's, the pace keeps quickening on this, but feels like our culture has become obsessed with identity. I, I'm confident you've noticed it, whether that be racial identity or gender identity or a political identity. You've probably heard the phrase identity politics and these different sorts of things. We've become obsessed with identity. Even the folks who say they don't like it tend to do it. I'm sure you've seen something like a I identify as a redneck bumper sticker or something like that somewhere. You know, that's an identity too. And uh, 
Uh, that's a way you're identifying yourself in a certain way. It's another way to claim an identity. And I think many of us as believers even find this sort of pressure that we have to pick a group, to, to pick a tribe, to find an identity, to kind of talk about ourselves in the same way the world talks about themselves. But something happens when you're a Christian. When you receive Jesus by faith, something happens. The Bible says you are then in Christ. And when you are in Christ, you receive a new identity. You receive a new heart. And it's no longer defined by this world. But instead, you are defined. Your identity is primarily who you are in Jesus. So that means that I don't have to identify myself in worldly terms. I can simply identify myself as a Christ follower. Notice what Paul says in verse 27. As we prepare to look at the text as a whole, I think it's important to see this sort of central idea in the text. He says this, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. That is, something has happened to you on the outside baptism that's reflective of that which has happened to you on the inside and when you go down into that water that's a picture of the reality that you have died with Jesus and when you come out of that water that's a picture that you have appealed to God for a clean conscience by grace through faith and that you have been raised up with Jesus even though he could have left you there under that water he could have left you there in the grave of your sin instead in the same way that he raised his son up you have been raised to walk in new life you have a new identity you are someone else. You're no longer rooted in this world. You're no longer rooted in the soil that you were raised on. You're no longer rooted in the bloodline which you inherited from your parents, even the bloodline you inherited from Adam, your first parent. You are now rooted. Even if you're a descendant of Abraham, you are now rooted. Your identity is now found in Christ. You've put off your old life, and you've put on Christ. This morning, I want to talk about your identity. I want to show you three truths. I almost forgot these guys were back here. And I want to say something. This is a fearless church. I am so grateful that it's not me when I was in youth choir behind me preaching right now. <laughs> Praise God for that. I'm so proud of y'all. Man, what a high level of trust we have back here. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I want to show you three truths this morning about your identity in Christ. Students, this is important. Because part of what you're working on right now is developing your identity, figuring out who you are. Who you are. If you are in Christ, you have an identity in Him. I want to show you three truths that I think will help us as believers be identified with Jesus, recognize that we're in Christ, and I think we'll be set free. Set free from all the pressure from the world to side with a certain sort of identity or group. Three truths this morning. Here's the first. In Christ you have a family. In Christ you have a family. You see Paul's language back in 23 and 24. We talked about this last week, but in 23 he talks about the law like it's a prison. We're imprisoned under sin through the law. 
In verse 24, he talks about it like a guardian. The Greek word is pedagogue. It was a, a household servant role that had total control over the child until they came of age and became an adult. And that's how Paul talks about the law. But then in verses 25 and 26 in our current text, he changes He says, now that faith has come, we are no longer under this guardian. We no longer are there. Instead, in Christ Jesus, you are all what? Sons of God through faith. Sons of God through faith. You're no longer under a guardian. The Bible says you are now a son of God. And you are always and only a son of God through faith. It's not something you earn. It's not something you do through the law to earn. You receive sonship through faith. Now, I think there's something that needs to be said here. Because it might be that some of you read this text and you think, well, what about me? Because I keep saying the word son. And you're not a son, you're a daughter. I I want you to know that the Bible is not prejudiced against women. In fact, nothing could be further from the truth. Um... The Bible's not prejudiced against women. Now, there's no question that through the history of the world, there has been misogyny. There has been hatred of women. Women have been mistreated at different times in human history. But anyone who's ever done so and used the Bible to justify it has committed a grievous sin, first, in mistreating women, and second, in blaming God for doing it. But when the Bible calls all of us sons, when the Bible calls Matt Alexander a son and Whitney Alexander a son, What it's not saying is that some of us who are men receive the adoption by God and a full inheritance and are treated just like a child of God. That only men are treated that way, but daughters are not that. No, in fact, the opposite would have been true if the Bible had said sons and daughters because the original hearers of the Bible would have heard, well, right. Men are treated like sons and women are treated like daughters. And so the women have a lesser inheritance in the kingdom of God than men do. But when we're all called sons, when we're all identified as sons, that's not saying to you women that you are lesser in the kingdom of God. What that's saying is that you are in Christ just like a man is in Christ. And you have an inheritance in Christ that's no different if you're the firstborn or the lastborn, if you're a son or a daughter, all of us are the same in Christ. Do you see this truth? Do you see how beautiful this is? It's one reason why I'm always so hesitant to edit the Bible to try to do a better job of making it say what we want it to say. Because if we were to change this here to say sons and daughters, understandably we may want to do that, but what we would be really doing is gutting the Bible of the power of the truth of what's being said about you precious sisters in the room. You are the same before God. Why though? Not because you're a man, not because you're a woman, but because you are in Christ. You have, my friends, an identity in Jesus. You have an identity in Jesus. If you have put your faith in Christ, it does not matter what your record of law keeping is. By faith, You are a son of God. That's what Paul means when he says, Now that faith has come. There was a real transition in salvation history when Jesus came into the world. That's not to say that Abraham wasn't 
a man of faith? Of course he was. That wasn't to say that all the Old Testament saints who believed God weren't people of faith. Indeed they were. But Paul is saying faith has come in a way that shows the way that a new era of salvation history has dawned so that now we live by faith directly in the Son of God, by grace through faith, so that we receive life transformation by faith in a way that Old Testament saints didn't experience. Transforming faith in Christ has come, not a future faith in a coming Messiah. You see what the Bible says? Now that you have faith in Jesus, you no longer need a tutor. You no longer need a pedagogue. You, you no longer need a prison to hold you down under sin. You have faith in Christ. You are a son of God. You are part of the family. And nothing will transform your life quite like having your identity transformed and realizing that you're a son of the living God. You see this? Do you see the way that by grace God is doing what no law can ever do? No, no law can ever do what sonship by faith can do. That's what I hope you'll see. In Christ, you have family. When you think about it, and you think about the world we live in, that's what so many people are looking for, right? Maybe you think your family's lame, or you've been hurt by your family, or frustrated by your family. Or, I, this is something I hear a lot, my family won't accept me just the way I am. So you go looking for somebody who will. Sometimes, okay, some of you have been mistreated by your family, so don't mishear me. I'm not going to try to convince you that your life's not been hard. But some of you may be actively trying to pursue sin, and the reason why you're frustrated with your family is because they love you. They don't want to see you go down the paths you're trying to go down. So many of us, though, want people who will tell us just what we want to hear. But my friends, you don't have to go look for another family if you are in Christ. If you are in Christ, because your family is the very family of God. And you might say, right, but I've been hurt by the church or I've been hurt by Christian people. But I promise you, never once, not yet, has Jesus let you down. The Bible says you are in Christ. In Christ, you have a family. But second of all, in Christ, you have a standing. In Christ, you have a standing. There's a word we hear a lot these days. In our culture, in our society, our world, we talk a lot about privilege in the world today. But people are constantly talking about privilege. But I, I want you to see here in uh, verse 28 what, what Paul says. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, in Paul's day and time, unquestionably, there were members of each of these groups who had privileges that the other ones did not have. Jews, by being God's chosen people, had a privileged access to God, at least so they thought. It was only by the law that they had received and by their pedigree and by their bloodline that they had access to God. And anyone else who wanted access to God had to come through Jewish people. They had a privilege. It's unquestionable that in the Roman world and in any world, someone who is free has a privilege that someone who is a slave does not have. And finally, there's no question that in Paul's day, 
in the world he lived in, men had privileges that women did not have. And in our culture today, we tend to do one of two things with this idea. We tend to give into it all the way and just act like that's all that matters. Your identity, your privilege, all these things are all that matters in life. And if we can just get all, all those things straightened out, the world will be a better and more just place. Or, or we tend to reject the idea that there's any differences in anyone at all. That everyone's got the exact same opportunities. Everyone's got the exact same things going on. Here, here's what I come to say. Paul gives us another, another route. It's to recognize the privileges we have in Jesus and to move past simply thinking about what we have in this life and to see what is offered to us in Christ. The fact that Paul is even listing out these categories tells you that in the minds of his readers and hearers, there was no question that they recognized that they would think that these people had different levels of access to God. There were haves and have nots. There are people who had good things and people that didn't. But here's what the Bible is teaching. If you want to be free from worrying about your standing all the time, worrying about whether you're getting everything you deserve in this life, if you want to move on in freedom from those things, then you can look to having an identity in Christ. Do you see what Paul's saying? There is no, so he says, there is neither Jew nor Greek. That is, your race does nothing for your standing before God. Even if you are a blood descendant, you know, you can do 23 in me and prove that you are a descendant of Abraham. That does nothing before God compared to being a former pagan from Sand Mountain, like me. Gives you nothing. Your race gives you no standing before God. It's easy for us to start to think in those kinds of ways, though, that we start to think that people who tend to be Christians or people or cultures that tend to have had Christianity in them for a long time, in our minds, whether we like it or not, sometimes we start to get the idea that maybe they've got just a little bit more access to God than others. If you were a Jew, it would certainly be easy to think that, don't you think? The Bible says there is neither Jew nor Greek. Your race gives you no standing before God. And second of all, your position and station in life. I mean, even if you are a slave, the lowest position and station in life, it gives you no different standing before God than the richest man in the world. Have you ever thought about that? What a beautiful thing that is. And so often, I know what we're doing. I know how we think. We think a lot about our standing in society. Uh, we think a lot about how folks will view us. You know, we always want to keep up with the Joneses. We want to make sure our kids do the proper things. They're involved in the proper things. We want to make sure that we show the signs that we have a good standing in this world. But my friends, that means nothing before God. It means nothing in the Lord's church either. It gives you no different standing before God. Your sex gives you no different standing before God, whether you're a man or a woman. No man, no preacher, no pastor has any better standing before God than anyone else. Your gender doesn't matter in terms of your standing before God. Notice what the Bible says. There is 
I want you to hear this so clearly. We need this so badly. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now listen, that does not mean that all of our differences are flattened out in this life. Men and women are different. I thank God for that fact. You know, I thank God for the fact that my wife is different than me. I thank God for the fact that we have men and women and they're complementary in the way God designed them. I praise the Lord for that. And there's no question that we have to recognize that there are levels of economics in the world today. Some people are rich, some people are poor, some people have access to something, some people don't. Some people have clout and standing and influence and some people don't. That's real. If that's you, in either direction, you know, I'm not trying to act like that's not real. There's unquestionably the reality that we are different in our racial characteristics and makeups. Our cultures are different, and that's to the glory of God. But here's the point that's being made, and here's what Paul is saying. Those things are irrelevant to our standing before God and Christ, and that's what means the most. Jesus Christ can free you from the rat race of privilege and standing in this life. Instead of sitting around all the time thinking about why you don't have what others have, why not spend some time rejoicing in the fact that you are a beloved son of God, a child of the living God. You have been accepted into His family, and there's no standing in this life There's no standing in this life. You could say, oh, well, I know this person. I know the governor. I know the president. Or I know this. I can get things done. I can do that. There is nothing you can say in this life that is anywhere near the amazing privilege and honor that you have when you can stand and say, I am a friend of God. Beauty, that is. We are one in Christ. Maybe you've always felt like your upbringing or your station in life has kept you from the best things. It's not so in Christ. Maybe you feel like your gender has kept you from all the opportunities in this world. You can have every last bit of Jesus. You have all the standing you need in Jesus. You are one in Christ. Finally, in Christ, you have an inheritance. In Christ, you have a family. In Christ, you have a standing. And finally, in Christ, you have an inheritance. You see what the Bible says, verse 29? I want you to hear it. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. That's who you are. You are a descendant. You are a recipient of the promises that God made to Abraham. You receive those by being in Christ. Therefore, you belong to the family of God in Christ. You have a glorious standing before God in Christ. And because of that, you are now heirs. You have an inheritance in Christ according to the promises of God. Right, preacher, you might say. That sounds good. I love the idea that I've got an inheritance, but I'm afraid I might get cut out of the will. You don't understand what I'm like. You you don't know my weaknesses. You don't know how unable I am of keeping the law. You don't know how much I struggle. Notice what the Bible says. Do you see it? 
You see what he says? If you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise, and the way you belong to Jesus is by receiving him in faith, and once you are in Christ, there's nobody and nothing that can come there and get you. You are safe in the arms of Jesus, and you are not in Christ by works of the law. You are not in Christ by nature of your pedigree. You are not in Christ by nature of your standing. You are not in Christ because of the family that you were born into. You are not in Christ because you're so good at being in Christ. You are not in Christ because you were the cream of the crop and the creme de la creme. And if any of that changes, suddenly your standing before God would change. That is not the case because so long as you trust and believe in Jesus you belong to Christ my friends you are in Christ therefore you're not left to worry about your future and you're not left to sit and worry about whether you've done enough today to keep God's love some of you have been through horrific situations with someone you love and you feel like you had to earn and keep their love it's not so with God it's Christ who keeps you by his love it's not by works it's by grace through faith and because you have been baptized into Christ and because you are one in Christ and because now you are in Christ The reality is that you will lose the love of God no sooner than Jesus does. And do you think there will ever be a moment between eternity past and eternity future in which the perfect love, which the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have for one another, do you think there will ever be a blip on the radar of the love of God? Of course not. It's perfect. It's eternal. It's unending. Nothing can break the perfect love of God. Your future is secure. Don't you see? Your future is the same future Jesus has. He has already been through the worst on our behalf at the cross. He suffered God's wrath, and now we have the best in Him. Whatever future Jesus has, you have it. Do you know why? Because you are in Christ. You belong to Him. And that's my hope. And my prayer, as you recognize and realize your future is secure, that you'll be reminded that your future is the same one that Jesus has. You are an heir according to the promises of God. And those promises are unbreakable because they are made through and for Jesus Christ. I hope and I pray that you will find your identity, how you define yourself, who you are. Oh, I hope and I pray you will find it in Christ, and in Christ alone. I want to offer an invitation this morning. If you've never put your trust and faith in Jesus for the first time, you can be done this morning about thinking about whether or not you've got the best things this life has to offer. You can have the best thing that this life and the life to come has to offer today, by grace through faith, freely given to you through Jesus. Second of all, you may be a believer and you may need some time to pray and ask God to help you fall out of love with this world and more in love with Him by grace, this altar is open for you or I'd be happy to talk to you this morning. And finally, you may be looking for a church home. I'd love to talk to you today about what it means for you to be a member here at First Baptist Church. After this prayer, I want to invite you to come. Let's pray together.